Listener Production. This year's FIBA Women's Basketball World Cup is only a month away and it's going to be held right here in Australia in Sydney. And Ezzy Yoda, Ezzy Magbagore, is more than ready for it. At just 23 years old, Ezzy has already been described as the next Lauren Jackson. So she has some literally and figuratively very big shoes to fill. A self-described quiet person, Ezzy says she's tried hard to stay grounded during her meteoric rise in the sport. A remarkable feat given that she's currently playing in the WNBA and was part of the Seattle Storm's championship winning team in her rookie season. Oh, the big one-two to Ezzy. There's a tie of a career high. My name is Jamila Rizvi and welcome to The Weekend Briefing. Up next, Bron is jumping into the studio where we are going to recommend what to watch, see, do, eat and listen to as part of The Weekend List. But first, here is my conversation with Ezzy Yoda, Ezzy Magbagor. Ezzy Magbagor, welcome from Seattle to the Weekend Briefing. It's lovely to have you. Thanks for having me on the show. We are so thrilled because, of course, you've got the Women's Basketball World Cup coming up in, it's going to be about a month um, here in Sydney. Tell me what prep looks like for a really major tournament like that. What does it look like physically and what does it look like mentally for you? I think this year is a little bit different. Um, Obviously, I'm currently playing in the WNBA, so I'm in Seattle at the moment and as are three or four of my other teammates. So preparation for a tournament like this is kind of just, you know, playing for the rest of the season. So I'll be in Seattle, um, you know, hopefully going through to the final round of playoffs. And then if it goes to game five, I'll pretty much be on the plane the next day and I'll be in Sydney joining the team. So this is a bit different, um, but normal preparation in a normal year, I guess, if, you know, seasons weren't really back to back, it'd be doing camps with the team. So the team was actually in New York a couple of weeks ago. So we joined them for a couple of days and were able to watch practices and watch games. But I think it's just being with the team as much as you can. But obviously that isn't possible in a sport that we play. So you just really have to, you know, focus on your body, focus on your mental yourself and kind of just do everything that you can to prepare for camp and when you are with the team. That gelling as a team when you aren't necessarily playing together in the lead up must be a massive challenge. Is there anything you guys do as a, as a group or that the coaches put you through to, to make sure that that personal connection is there that's going to mean that you play together as a collective? Yeah, I think we've been pretty fortunate in that a lot of us know each other. So we've played together for a few years now, um, whether it's against each other or um, in the WNBL and the Australian League. So in terms of just building on that, it's quite easy to do because we know everyone. But I think the girls back in Australia have done such a great job of just keeping us in the loop. And we've had, you know, like leadership sessions, cultural sessions where we're all on Zoom as a team because I think that's just the, you know, harsh reality of it. We're not going to be together. You know, we've been together as a full team once this year. Wow. I think just, you know, when we're on Zoom, um, when we're able to make camp. So I think that's why Steph and I, Steph Talbot, my teammate here in Seattle, were you know, really big on going to the camp in New York, even though it was only for two days. We had a couple of days off and it just kind of worked out with our schedule. So just anytime we can get with the team, um, we will, but otherwise it's just, you know, messages, Zoom calls, phone calls and other stuff. 
I'm going to come back to the present day stuff in a moment, but I wanted to go back in time a little bit. You were six years old when you moved to Australia with your family. What were you told about the move as a six-year-old and what were you expecting? Were you keen to move? Um, I think I was excited to move. I think I was just excited to go on a plane, honestly. Uh, I hadn't been on one before. So, but yeah, obviously um, my parents just wanted to move to Australia for, you know, better job opportunities for them. Um, but I have three other siblings. So I think I remember just the night before our flight, just kind of having all our furniture packed up in the living room. It was going to get shipped to Australia. When we were kids, we were really big on like making up dances and dancing to songs. So I think we were, we, we made up a dance to Lonely by Amazing. that night. And that's like kind of embedded in my brain, just the last night in New Zealand. Um, but I think I was just excited to kind of, be somewhere with my family, kind of go on an adventure, but I don't really feel like I understand the extent of it, just like moving to a new country. But yeah, I just remember good memories from the night before. Yeah. And what were you like at school? Once you're in primary school in Australia, what's growing up like? Um, Growing up was fine. I think I'm lucky that I had, you know, three other siblings. So my brother is a year older than me. So I kind of grew up going to school with him, just kind of had someone you know, throughout primary school, throughout high school. Um, so I went to Oak Park Primary School. I was there and then went to the Panola Catholic College in Glenroy before I moved to Canberra to attend the Australian Institute of Sport. I moved out of home when I was 15, so I'm the third oldest child, but I was the first to move out of home. That was pretty nerve-wracking. Yeah. I think just I'm, you know, quite introverted. I was, you know, a shy kid, so I think that was just a big change for me. Um, but going there was just great for you know, obviously basketball, but I think just my personality and confidence as well. I was kind of forced to come out of my shell and just kind of become independent at such a young age. So tell me about what happens when you arrive at the AAS and you're surrounded by all of these other seriously talented young athletes, but you're also kids away away from home. What, What was the first year like for you? The first few months were rough. I think it was, you know, a bit of an adjustment period. I went to the AAS with another, so another girl was 15. So Jasmine Simmons, she was kind of my buddy who I went in with. So I kind of have a, had a friend, but I actually remember telling her, like, I think it was like a year or two later, we were both at Melbourne airport. And like I said, I was kind of shy and just didn't really speak to anyone. And I think I remember telling her, I saw her at the airport, but I was like way too shy to go up to her <laughs> and say hello. Cause we had met before, but we weren't like super close or anything. And so I kind of just saw her, but didn't go up and, you know, say hello. But then she came up to me and it was kind of like, that was my first time seeing her, but really I had seen her the You've whole time. You've been watching her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I remember telling her like a year later, she's like, Ezzy, why don't you just come up to me? Um, but yeah, it was just nice having her like going in, um, you know, to a new experience. The practices were, you know, tough. You were practicing against people a lot older than you. Mm. Um, and you were still like going to school. So uh, twice a week we'd have like 6.30 weights um, and then go to school and then after school we'd have like team practices and we had Wednesdays off and then Saturdays and Sundays we'd either play a game or kind of have a day off. Um, so I think that was like just a lot to adjust to because yeah. back in Melbourne I was practicing, you know, twice a week, um, playing once or twice a week. So um, it was hard and I was definitely homesick. I was definitely calling home a lot. I was definitely crying a little bit. but. I was never too far. Canberra was, you know, only an hour flight, if that, from home. So I knew I was never too far away from home. 
you said a couple of times while we've been chatting that you're a quiet person and that you're a shy person. This might seem silly to ask a professional athlete, but to me, there's something in being a professional athlete that is about performance as well, right? Like it's not like you're just playing at the top level with no one watching you. You're playing to packed stadiums and people watching on TV. So that's also a lot of attention on you, even if perhaps you're not being asked to talk all of the time, you're, you're playing your game. Does that ever get in your head or are you so focused on the job you've got to do that the crowd sort of doesn't factor? I think the crowd does factor, but it's more in a positive way, especially yeah. if it, if they're your home crowd. Even though there's like so many people watching, I've never really kind of felt nervous from the crowd and like having all those people. I think it, it's great when we have a big crowd. Um, I think just seeing the growth in women's sports and women's basketball and, you know, having big crowds, that's exciting to me. I think it's, it's obviously more, you know, you just focus on your team, um, the other team, the coaches, and then I guess if, you know, family members, are they, you notice them in the crowd. But with me, I, yeah, it's not as nerve wracking, you know, playing in front of a big crowd. You played for the Opals at the Tokyo Olympics in, in 2020, which it was a pretty weird time, I suppose, to be coming together. Tell me about that experience when the whole world is completely distracted and consumed with a health crisis and you guys are I suppose like for a lot of people at home like the only happy distraction yeah it was a weird experience I I definitely think um you know no one really expected it in 2018 2019 for the Olympics to turn out like that so obviously it was postponed in 2020 so I think that was hard on a lot of people just because with like big competitions with Olympics with World Cups you kind of prep for a certain time that year. So I, there's a lot of people just, you know, getting their bodies right so that they peak at the right time. And mm. so, you know, the Olympics gets postponed and you're kind of kept in the dark. We're not really sure if it's going to happen in 2021 because um, they hadn't set a date. There was just a lot of, you know, Zoom calls, emails being sent out. So that was like, I guess, scary in a sense. Just, yeah. um, you know, you kind of prepare for the Olympics and you, you make the team, but obviously it gets postponed. So it obviously went ahead in 2021. Um, and then that experience was, you know, just different just because we didn't have a lot of preparation time. Obviously we couldn't travel and kind of compete against other countries, but we did have like a limited preparation time in Vegas where we got together as a team. Um, we played a couple of practice matches and then we went over to Tokyo, which was still an amazing experience. Obviously, we weren't able to explore the country and kind of, you know, just soak it all in. But, you know, the village was great. Like, that was a really cool experience. Australia's building was really cool. We had, I didn't drink coffee, but they had like a really good coffee machine. But yeah, I think, you know, just to say that I was able to go to the Olympics in 2021 when it was like peak COVID times, yeah. I think I was still very, very grateful to kind of experience that with such a great team as well. Basketball is one of those sports where, you know, there are some sports where you look to the Olympics and that is the peak of all things. Mm -hmm. And unquestionably, a gold medal at the Olympics is the pursuit of uh, the top athletes in that sport. But you're playing in the WNBA and you've also got of course, the championships coming up that are going to be held here in Australia soon. 
what do like what do you think about as the peak moments of a career like what are the big things that you think that's what I want to tick off recognizing of course that you've already got a WNBA championship under your belt for me I think it was definitely representing Australia at an Olympic game that was a big one for me and then obviously being drafted into the WNBA so playing in the WNBA was a big one of mine so to be able to you know win a WNBA championship in my first year and then you know, go on and play in the Olympics for Australia the following year. That was something I didn't expect to achieve, you know, so soon. So I think those are definitely big goals of mine and just to have a prolonged basketball career, just have a great career, um, you know, hopefully win a couple more championships and represent Australia for as long as I can. That's, I guess, kind of a successful basketball career to me. How do you deal with pressure? What's your relationship with pressure? And is the way you deal with it something that's changed over time from, you know, those days playing as a kid at school through to the AIS through to now? Yeah, I think it definitely fluctuates, I think. And I'm still definitely learning. I've learned that pressure doesn't really come from, um, you know, those around me or others around me, you know, coaches, teammates. It's kind of just pressure that I put on myself I think just learning how to handle that and how to deal with that and just realizing you know you've been doing this for however many years you know how to play um, you played in different teams you've played in different moments so just being confident in that and knowing that you know whatever you've done leading up into that moment is going to be enough so just doing your best on the day just playing for yourself but playing for your teammates and you know obviously playing for your country or city as well. But yeah, I'm still learning how to deal with pressure. The FIBA Women's Basketball World Cup is where we started and that's coming up in, a, in about a month. You're an official ambassador. Why did you want to be an ambassador and speak out about the sport? What's the message that you wanted to tell people? It's not every day you get to have a World Cup in your home country. Um, so this is really, really big for you know, us as athletes, but just for Australia as well. And I think basketball is still a growing sport in Australia, especially women's basketball. So to be able to be an ambassador and kind of help just build attraction to the World Cup, because I don't think people realise just how big it is. Like we're going to have so much talent from so many different countries in Australia, in Sydney for however many days. So I think if we're able to kind of advertise that and just speak out on that and just really attract people to come. I think it's going to just grow the sport more because people kind of just need to see a game in order to know if they like it or not. And I think, you know, that's what we're trying to do. How do you feel about uh, terms like role model, knowing that there's going to be a whole bunch of uh, young Australian girls who are watching you and thinking I could be her one day? I think it's pretty cool. I think being in a basketball, being a professional athlete, you kind of automatically become a role model. So having young girls, having young kids be able to come and watch us play is is really cool. I I know I've been on a lot of teams where you kind of stay at the end of games and, you know, you sign autographs, you take pictures and it's really just, you know, humbling to see how many people do want that experience with you. Mm. So many different players are coming from different countries. So I feel like, you know, obviously kids are going to idolize them as well. So they're going to be able to meet their idols, you know, see their idols play live um, in person in Australia. So, yeah, it's going to be a really great event, I think. Um, the US are the three-time defending champions. How do you rate Australia's chances? 
I think we have a great chance. I think whenever we go into a big tournament or any tournament, we want to win. And obviously just coming off the Olympics, I think we obviously want to have more success and, you know, win a medal. You know, the goal is to win a gold medal. But I think obviously USA are a tough team to play against. We played against them in the gold medal match in the last World Cup um, and fell short there too. But, um, you know, obviously we're preparing for the tournament and we're just going to, um, you know, go in. I think Sandy's picked the best team and just compete in front of our home fans. Well, we wish you all the best for the remainder of the season over there in the States and a safe flight home. And we look forward to seeing you back on home turf uh, in about a month's time. Thank you so much. Can't wait to be back. That is it for my conversation with Ezi Yoda Magbagor. What an incredible human being. You can check out FIBA Women's Basketball World Cup 2022 in Sydney, in Australia, right here at home. It will be held from September 22 to October 1st. For information on tickets, you can head to tickertech.com.au. But don't do that right now because the weekend list is coming up. It is weekend list time and Bron is here. I am here. I'm healthy. She's in the studio. This hasn't happened for a tremendously long time, everyone. Bron, what have you been up to? What can you recommend for everyone that's listening? So my first one is a podcast hosted by Katie Williams called Better For It. It's also on Listener or wherever you get your podcast. It's a health and wellness podcast where some episodes she'll chat to some guests. She'll speak to professionals who cover all things from like exercise, meditation, sex. It, I really like it because... I don't know. I really didn't think I would be interested in a health-based podcast. It's really not my type of thing, but it's just an easy listen. You can jump in, you know, whether you're a superstar athlete, if you're not super into health, it's got everything. She recommended something a few weeks ago where it's really kind of changed my life a little bit. It's called the hour of power. So what you do is you get rid of all distractions, go to the bathroom, get ready to like knuckle down, so focus on something for an hour straight and then you just knock it out of the park. I didn't realise how distracted I was getting just from notifications popping up on my phone or, you know, little emails buzzing off here or there. If you just set yourself down and focus on one thing, I don't know, it just really blew my mind and it's so simple. It's fun to get a little reminder sometimes about the simplest things. I think it's really good to have that reminder, Bron, because especially post-pandemic, a lot of people are having trouble concentrating, right? And I, I think a lot of us blame the last couple of years, but I think it's about more than that. I suspect it's about technology and trying, you know, the 10,000 tabs open, not just on your computer, but in your head. Yes. And it's nice to escape that. I... I'm going to recommend something completely different. Um, I was quite unwell last week. I had this horrible gastro bug that seems to be going around not just Melbourne but the whole country. But the one good thing was that a lot of time spent in bed meant that I was able to binge the entirety of the split. Three seasons, got it done, smashed it out, two and a half days. The first two seasons are on stand. The third season is on iView at the moment. Um, so that's where you go and get this show. It is really good. It's a British legal drama. It focuses around a family of uh, three adult daughters, but their parents also feature in the show. Two of the adult daughters work at a family law firm that was founded originally by their mother. And the show sort of juxtaposes what's going on in the family law legal cases, mostly around 
uh, really complicated divorces that are happening in the firm that they're dealing with in their working lives with what's happening in their private lives. It's got offspring vibes in a way, but less quirky. You know how Offspring had the kind of the three siblings and it sort of intertwined their lives and their whole extended family's lives with what was going on for Nina at the hospital? It's a little bit of that, but it's a real exploration of of family dynamics, but particularly of divorce, and it's not awful. Like I think the show tries to answer the question, what is a good divorce and what makes a good divorce? And I think it actually does a really beautiful job of of answering it. I absolutely devoured it and I kind of, I'm sad it's over now. He wasn't supposed to fall for someone else. I can't ever just stick with meaningless sex. My client wishes to spend one night a week in the family home. Tread carefully. Is that a threat? You no longer have a say over what I do. These are still my kids. If you really want to nitpick, he's still my husband. All right, that is enough. I hate when you, like, binge a good show and then all the seasons run out. Oh, so sad. My next one is from Netflix. It's a three-part docuseries called The Most Hated Man on the Internet. It's about Hunter Moore, who created this absolutely disgusting website called Is Anyone Up? The website posted nude and erotic images of people, which most were stolen or hacked photos. The series goes into some of the victims' stories who had their photos taken and and uploaded to the site. One of the victims' mums becomes the hero in the story, and she's so badass. I really loved this woman. It goes into how she took Hunter Moore down, who is really the most hated man on the internet, is not... Um, hyperbole. It is a literal. <laughs> he is that horrible. He is a horrible person. Um, yeah, it goes into this mum taking him down um, and helping her daughter and also other victims who suffered from some some of this stuff on the website. So it yeah, three parts. It goes quickly. You can binge it in one night like I did. Or <laughs> um, space it out. Up to you. Such an interesting documentary. There I was, topless, multiple photos. It was an absolute shock. Shit, I got posted on the site. Isanyoneup.com. I felt violated. Humiliation. That site was about destroying lives. We would create a website like this. This is Hunter Moore from isanyoneup.com. Actually, a couple of people have been talking about that one. I am keen to check it out. My final recommendation is a new book that is out. It's called A Question of Age. It's by Jacinta Parsons. Jacinta hosts ABC Radio in Melbourne and this is her second book. It is about women and ageing. It sounds, when you first pick it up, perhaps like it's going to be a self-help book, like it's about coming to terms with ageing. It's not. In fact, if anything, I don't think it's very helpful at all. It's more of a a rage into the abyss, right? It's a book that kind of talks about all of the different emotions we experience when we age and particularly why aging is confronting for women who are socialized from being very young that their value comes from how they look and their ability to have children. And when those two things have passed you by to an extent for most of us as we age, um, that can be really confronting. But it unpacks things like the invisibility of older women, the idea that sexual currency uh, is associated with age for women but perhaps not for men. It looks about at how we adjust our perceptions of ourselves as we get older and how we need to, as a world, take stock of how we treat older women and how we think about older women in, in film, in TV, in discourse and why it is that we think it's okay to not be invested in older women the way we are 
with older men. It is really good. I put it down and I was very angry, but I quite enjoyed how angry I got. That's it for the weekend list. Bron, thank you so much for joining me. And thank you to all of you for listening. We have loved having your company this weekend. If you enjoyed the today's show, and I so hope that you did, if you could leave us a rating and a review, it would mean the absolute world. If you're not already following us on the listener app or subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts, make sure that you do that as well. We will be back in your ears bright and early Monday morning where Tom and the team will have the latest headlines straight to your headphones. Listener.